soon we're actually going to have an opening video. We don't have to dance and vamp like this, Michael Vincent. I'll miss it. I'll miss it. You will miss it. I'll miss it. Can we get a video of us dancing and vamping? I think that we might throw one in. (laughs) Intro right there. I think it's recorded somewhere. Yeah. Maybe. I'm doing it. That's the dude. How you doing? (laughs) I'm doing great, man. You know, uh, we we just talked about uh, the the Lions won finally, right? Yes. Over rival. Very cool. But Pitt. Cheat, no cheat. Fake slide with a quarterback, no fake slide. What's your take? I think that if you're going to protect the quarterbacks like that, and I think that if you go for a fake slide, you got to be down where you went for the fake slide. It's the only way it's fair. Yeah, I agree. It's the only I way agree. it's fair. I agree. I agree. Um, I agree. Speaking of flags on the plate, did you hear about this one? A woman on a Delta Airlines flight, <laughs> right? She reportedly was trying to breastfeed her cat. Tried to, they told her to stop. They told, they told her to stop. She refused. She refused. The flight attendants were like, look, this isn't normal behavior. One of the flight attendants said on TikTok, this woman had one of those, like, hairless cats swaddled up in a blanket, so it looked like a baby. Um, her wow. shirt was up, and she was trying to get the cat to latch on, and she wouldn't put the cat back in the carrier, and the cat was screaming for its life. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. What's the weirdest thing you've seen on a flight? <laughs> well, it certainly wasn't that. I don't know. That? I've had too many weird things, but that flight back from Chicago. Yes. That dude thought like there was a conspiracy. Like he was the only one not allowed to have fun on a flight, and then it turned into we were all spies and some other yeah. crap. Right? That was got a little freaky. Right? Yeah. We were flying back from uh, Freight Waves Live in Chicago in yeah. November of 2019, and there was this guy, there was this guy on our flight, and he thought uh, he was his buddy was like trying to calm him down too, yeah. but he was like really paranoid and delusional. And he thought like yeah. the entire Freight Waves team, I think, because we all had similar logos we're, on. We're, we're like, all on the same team for sure. <laughs> yeah, we're like following him and uh, in league with him. Um, hey, before we get into business today, this is going to be a very driver-centric episode. Before we get in, yeah. that Titanic I've been talking about, check it out. I'm about 33.3% of the way through that Titanic. Check it out. I'm about 33.3% of the way through. My seven-year-old and I, we got into it. We're about uh, 3,000 or so pieces through there. Yeah, so you had a cat incident, I understand? I no? did. So we were kind of building slowly through this, and we yeah. had it like halfway done that first box, and it was sitting by the Christmas tree. And my cat, if I don't feed him at night, like yeah. he already got fed, but sometimes he feels entitled to like snacks. <laughs> He knocked this thing off of uh, the box that was sitting on it and shattered all over the ground. So we had to rebuild right from you the don't, end. You don't breastfeed your cat? You have I, to... he, not anymore? Not, not after anymore. he did yeah, that? Not, yeah, not after It's that. over. No more <laughs> latching for you, cat. <laughs> hey, so during the Great Resignation, right, companies, yeah. and everyone's making a huge deal out of this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Companies have been faced with 40% worker turnover. Yet trucking, True. it's always a great resignation here. We, we, we always have 90% plus driver turnover in the regular categories. Yeah, get over it, man. I walked to school both ways uphill in the snow with no shoes. <laughs> so what are you trying to say? What, what do you mean? Kind of like that. 96%, man. Get over to 40%. 96% turnover is much more difficult, right? Well, yeah, that's what I'm just saying. I mean, <laughs> right. we make a big yes. issue out of the great resignation. Absolutely. So my point Absolutely. is that... This is what trucking faces all the time. So if your company is used to what these resignations have done, yes. it's that big a deal. Yes. Just realize what's going on in trucking. Much yeah, tougher. Absolutely. Now let's do the band. Deadheads are bad for any carrier's business, but Convoys got you covered. Their app makes it easy to find round-trip loads on your favorite lane that reduces empty miles and get your drivers back home. Sign up in a minute and book your next load with Convoy. That's right. Visit convoy.com forward slash WTT or download the Convoy app on Google Play or the App Store to get started. Headlines. All right. It's official. It's 
official. We've been talking about this for about two weeks, ever since Marine Exchange stopped counting those container ships that were yes. 150 nautical miles or so out, and the port started saying that 40% container ships were down, all that kind of thing. So 24-7 works, baby. Greg Miller reports there were 40 container ships waiting for berths within 40 miles of the port of Los Angeles and Long Beach on Friday, but there were also 56 container ships that were waiting farther out to sea, putting that tally up to an all-time high 96 vessels, according to new data from the Marine Exchange of Southern California. The Marine Exchange has just unveiled its new methodology for counting ships waiting outside the port in the zone. So you can see where they stopped counting them down. We're just going blue line go way yeah, down. Oh, yeah. No, we were just jumping up and down going, woo. Well, no, we weren't. We were calling it out. Other people were, and they're like, wow, oh, down. Right. how did it get from 83 to 47 in like a week? Well, yeah. it didn't. That's what 24-7 in incentives, dude. A new queuing system has been in place since mid-November. You saw it. You see it right there. That encourages container ships to wait outside, especially designated safety and air quality. 150 miles out, 50 miles up and down, right? Yeah. Stay out of this. This has sharply reduced the number of ships closer to shore, leading to suggestions that, like you said, that things were going great and the port congestion was not to be, man. It's a misconception. Yeah. You can see it right there, loitering. Absolutely. That's <laughs> way up. Do you think they'll get a way ticket up. for that? Well, in addition to the 96 ships waiting offshore on Friday, there were 31 container ships at Terminal Birds, bringing the grand total to 127. That's also near an all-time high. The total number of container ships either at Burst or waiting Offshore continues to rise. It's up 25% from the beginning of November, 41% from the beginning of October, and 79% since the beginning of September. So... You know, as much as I think the port wanted to put messaging out that things yeah. were getting better, it seems like it's, it's getting worse before it gets better. We're going to have to wait until after this holiday peak season to unwind things. Especially yep. with those terminal hours we showed on Friday. They weren't, nobody was even working on Sunday. No, they're not going 24-7. There's nothing happening there. They weren't. Well, here's, a, here's another issue that is going to come to roost. So what we're hearing is, you know, you, you used to always hear about the driver shortage, and we're going to cover yeah. that today. But a big challenge that we've been hearing from a lot of companies isn't finding drivers. It's actually finding equipment. It's finding trucks to put sure. drivers in. This backlog, this semiconductor thing. It's really come home to roost, and carriers are really starting to notice because those deliverables of those trucks were supposed to come yeah. in. They're not there. Well, inability to produce um, pushes Class 8 orders to its lowest number in 26 years. Alan Adler reports that class, class 8 truck orders in November were the lowest for that month in those 26 years, reflecting a huge backlog of unbuilt trucks rather than a demand issue. People are trying to buy these things. The backlog of bookings. Um, is in line at major OEMs exceeded 14 months, according to ACT research. That means that with a few exceptions, an order for a Class 8 power unit placed this month won't be delivered until February 2023. Yeah, it's unbelievable. FTR said orders were down 41% from October and 82% year-over-year supply chain uncertainty is the biggest reason. As you just mentioned, shortage of semiconductors using everything from the power windows, et cetera, safety systems, everything in there. Even yeah. the tires got the turn things in them. They're making uh, what we you, you coined salsa trucks, right? Well, all truck, no chips. They're sitting on the side waiting because they can't no they chips. Can Correct. Right. Well, and... A lot of the manufacturers now, if you're looking to buy a car, I mean, GM put out that starting in January, if you try to buy options like heated seats or heated steering wheels, they're not available. So they are not using any of these excess chips for, for accessories that they right. don't think that people need and are crucial because of these giant backlogs. Well, how about a used truck? You're just trying to break into the business. Yeah, sure. You hear about these amazing rates that you saw on Sonar. In a little bit, we'll have a Sonar breakdown straight yep. out of you. Well, there's no bargain there either. Canadian-based auction house Ritchie Brothers reported that a 2020 Kenworth W990 sleeper cab sold for $166,000 in auction in Alberta, Damn. Canada last week. I mean, even though that's Canadian dollars, that's still over $100,000. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. It's still still a little bit still a little bit expensive. <laughs> Speaking of Canada, truckers are getting a seven thousand eight hundred dollar COVID nineteen vaccine bonus at a Canadian carrier. That's in U.S. dollars. Nate Tabak here reports a trucking logistics company in Canada has taken an unusual and expensive step by giving away a Canadian ten thousand dollar bonus to drivers who already are or get fully vaccinated against the COVID nineteen virus. That's Montreal based fuel transport is paying out this bonus equivalent to that money, but it's in monthly installments over a year. Remember last episode, we talked about bonuses and the catches yeah, we there did. within? Well, eligible drivers, you have to take your first shot before January 15th, the week before the, va- the U.S. Ooh. vaccine requirement for foreign essential workers takes place. Yeah, once the mandate came down from the governments, we felt the necessity to push on the motivation aspect of the thing of things. F- uh, Fuel CEO Robert Piccioni uh, uh, told Freightwaves. He goes on to say, but we did it across the board. We did it with regional and local drivers as well. It's not just the drivers that are crossing the borders. Piccioni said that the vaccination rate among his drivers jumped from 85 to 85, 80 to 85 percent to nearly 100 percent since they rolled this out in November. Um, so they're they're also helping with their what also helped is they have their uh, their, their nurse and they're, they're spreading the news about this and letting people call in and, and find out what's going on with these vaccines and, and what the effects can be. So, you know, industry yeah, groups in, in, in the U.S. and in Canada, they've raised alarms about this coming mandate. A lot yeah. of drivers have said they don't want to take it, especially here in the in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, in Canada, it's been a little bit different. They've they've a recent survey by Private Motor Truck Council of Canada found that 67 percent of drivers were unvaccinated at the 35 fleets that responded. Well, the coming mandate was a key motivator. The bonuses also serve as a way to reward drivers for their efforts during the pandemic. Um, what do you think? Uh, yeah, um, at least you're getting paid if you if you decide to yeah, stay on yeah, and do yeah. it. Heck yeah! I mean, you know, I'm, what's the going price for some side effects? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're <laughs> concerned by that, I don't know. I, I don't know. Do, you, do you think a lot of drivers will comply? Um, I, I think a lot of will. I think a lot will. I think a lot will complain all the way up to the uh, registration and register for for the draft type of thing. You know, like I saw in the '60s and '70s when I was growing up. But um, I think they will. But I think a lot won't. Uh, yeah. And I don't think the seventy eight hundred dollars is going to do it. Yeah. For those that are stuck on it, man. We'll see. It's going to be really tough for cross-border yeah. f- freight if uh, this goes through, and a lot of drivers just don't want to play ball. Yeah. Uh, another story that just came up on FreightWaves.com, we're not going to get into it, but you can check it out at FreightWaves.com, is Knight Swift builds out their LTL network with a $150 million acquisition of MME. Pretty great story. Read that on FreightWaves.com. But now yeah. you're going to be our guest because we're going to take a look inside Sonar. So let's see. Well, yeah, let's take a look at what's going on. Yeah. There we go. Why do they have a weather map up wow, there? Wow, we don't need a weather map. <laughs> wow. What is going on there? That's the production value of this segment. That's pretty <laughs> nice, nice, bro. Uh, so we've been talking. We started out talking about TEUs, right? And all those we ships did. at anchor. Yeah. We have a chart for that in Sonar Ocean TEU Volume Index. That. Can you guys put that chart up? Tell, tell me, that. tell me so, what we're looking at. Yeah. So this is in Sonar. It's in the apps. It's ocean shipments. So you're looking at ocean shipments and TEUs uh, that that are booked out. These are not even stuff. These containers are not even at the place. These are booked in the future seven days out. On the top there are the shipments. The blue line is this year. The dotted line is is last year. So you can see the pressure is going up. Now this fluctuates sometimes, but as you go out further into the system, they go up and up. So the pressure's high on the shipment part of it. Now what's interesting is on the bottom part is your TEUs, right? Mm -hmm. A shipment can be part of a TEU or a ton of TEUs. This is a ton of TEUs, as you see that going up. Now, this is China to the U.S. specifically. Pressure on the import side and those containers and those 127 ships, if yeah. we count correctly, it's not going away. Not according to this. Does it's this tell? Can, does this give you any more insight into that? Do we? Do we? 
is it going to tell us when the in, when this backlog is going to unwind or anything like that? Or it, it's more so like, no, but the hose is still on. It's no, the hose is still on. Yeah. And if you're looking for relief before Chinese New Year's, I think there's more and more evidence that that isn't happening. I think Ferreira and some others would agree with that. Wow. Well, yeah, let's look a little bit deeper on this because we have going. inbound Ocean TU volume index. Yeah, so tell me what that a little bit further is you got IOTI, which is our inbound Ocean TEU's volume index, mm -hmm. right? So these are the dotted line there. You see it's forward looking. So you're seeing historical and forward looking. The dotted line is forward looking. Those are uh, booked to ship on those dates, to leave origin on those dates. Okay. All right, TEUs. And these are all origins into all destinations US. So it's not just China. So all imports coming to the U.S. And you can see that that pressure is still steadily climbing. You see it coming off of that peak there at the end of, of November on uh, kind of a sideways move. And now you're starting to see another peak start to uh, go there. And with it is the O-try okay. or, or the rejection. So that's a, the, uh, the, it, its effect on capacity. That large cliff there at the end, that's Thanksgiving, right? That's a holiday but anomaly. this is trucking capacity <clears throat> with ocean TUs. Amen, brother. Okay. It all hits a truck eventually or a rail, and a lot of it hits those trucks and long-haul trucks and short-haul trucks at the ports, right? So it absolutely uh, foreshadows or predicts the pressures that are going to be on uh, the capacity in the truckload. So are we going to see, so we see this massive, on the blue line, we see this massive uptrend. Are we going to see this fall yeah. on the green line? Uh, you're going to see, you're going to see tightening. And what usually happens this time of year is it's not only just a demand side. Yeah. It's usually less a demand side and more a capacity side. Drivers taking off for vacations. You got demand here coming as so well. So does this asymmetrically though hit the, um, like port lanes, like LA to it, Dallas, things like that? It, 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 yeah. So it's Interesting, and it depends on what time of year you are and where we're at in the inventory cycles as well. So a lot of this will hit the short haul. It'll hit L.A. and then go into the Inland Empire and then start cross-docking and moving into inventory. And then you got the inventory moves, which are kind of mediocre moves, and then hit long haul and rail, right? Yeah. And sometimes it disproportionately hits the long haul when you've got that urgency to get the market like we've seen. Makes sense. Right? So th there's different ways. But now those, that dotted line there, that stuff's not going to hit this port in, in the ground for, what, January? Yeah. So the January lull, there's your January lull. Got you. <laughs> well, speaking of frustration, what about wait times, right? Wait times over at the docks. We got another one here. Let's throw that up. And um, they look like they've come down a little bit since November, at least. November was an awful, awful peak. Wait times, by the way, are one of the things that send drivers out of this business. One of those quality of life things where drivers sit there, they're not paid for the first two hours. Sometimes they're not paid at all for any of this wait time or this demerge. Yes. And when the reels aren't moving, they're not making money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're seeing those wait times with some major peaks and major as the as the disruptions happen, right? It's harder and harder to get this things these things through the the cross docks and through the distribution centers, et cetera. The main thing to look at here is not only is it high and there's pressure, you can obviously see it moving up since since all year, since June, right? There's an obvious uptrend even with those picks. This is a huge plateau from 2019. Is it? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so we're at the top of Mount Everest compared to 2019 right now. So if you stretch this out, you'd really see the impacts. So what? So we're at 131 minutes right now. Where were we in 2019? Uh, probably about 10, 15 minutes lower than that on average. So that's is that that's significant? It's significant. Because that's an average, too. And a lot of the drivers that we talk to, they're waiting way longer than um, 131 minutes. Some, some are oh, waiting yeah, 12 sure. hours. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's an average, and it goes up. So it takes into account everything is there. I mean, you've got drop and hook that's in this situation here. So 
yeah, it's it's very very high. And yeah. it's it's one of those things that you know drivers complain about that are like, hey, you treat us like uh, crap, we're not going to work anymore. Well, here's Shorts. a big part. Of, I mean, we were talking the quote unquote driver shortage. The ATA yeah. likes to throw it's that huge. out there, they put part. that eighty thousand. But a big reason is that so many inefficiencies in this industry. One of these is these wait times. A lot of these sure. drivers, you think there's a shortage of. We actually got them moving. You would add that much capacity because their truck isn't stuck there. Yeah, no, that's absolutely that's absolutely correct. There's your, there's twelve uh, twelve minutes in there takes care of the capacity shortage, right? <laughs> I'll take your word for there's, it. There's, uh, there's more than 12 minutes there in that 131, as we've heard from those reports. What about rates and rejects? If you read the newsletter, I cover this quite a bit, but you yeah. know Sonar better than I do. So let's take a look at your chart here and tell me a little bit about what we're seeing. I know that rates are up to about 347, which is near near series highs. Yeah, I put this one on a dual on dual axis. So the green is actually rates, and you can see the, uh, the 347 there on the left-hand side of this. That's where rates are, and that's the green line is actually there at 347. A uh, little bit of an uptick there over the weekend for some certain or last week um, and then the blue line is the outbound tender uh, rejections or it is uh, really the ability or the willingness of the uh, market the uh, contract market to take those loads right okay. or it's it's, a, it's an effect on demand. there's not enough capacity sure. or these they have something better to do right uh, but uh, it is it is rejection of those loads not enough capacity there you see that steadily going down but rates still going up in the in the um, um, spot rates that's what I was gonna ask you about so I'm looking at 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 the volume here, and the rejects had been above 20%, it looks like since, what, May of 2020. Yeah. Right? That was a long, long run. Now, (laughs) we're hearing it's taking forever to order all these trucks and all that, so is, are we getting more capacity online? Why is this fall? I mean, I know it's not a huge percentage under 20, but it is 19%. Why is it going down? It it is 19%. We'll see. Uh, I can show you a little bit of that on the the next slide on our track if if we want to move to that, and I can show you that a little bit. So let's move there, and we can explain this a little bit. So one of the reasons here is that, okay, it's been at 20% or one in five loads being rejected, and we saw that on there. It's kind of been moving sideways, right? And so the, the industry is starting to get normalized a little bit to that, right? Shippers, carriers uh, playing a little bit better. There's been no ever given. We haven't been ever given, <laughs> right? Or Again, Suez, yeah. if you want to call sure. it lately. Really, 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 really bad. So uh, things are kind of normalized a little bit there. There's a lot, a lot of, 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 of disruption and volatility out there. But uh, you also, if you look at this chart here, the uh, r- the um, uh, the uh, what is the purple line there I- in there? You can see it moving up in the bottom right hand corner. That's your contracted rates, and your contracted rates have moved up, right? Yeah. So it's more attractive for the contract people to stay in those lanes, and they're and they're accepting more because the rates are higher okay. and they're a little bit normal. So that re- there's a rejection or the, the rejection rates have dropped a little bit. That's but not below Let me 20, ask you. So hold, let me see if I have this straight. Yeah. Um, the audience may have the same question, or, or maybe it's just me. Um, but is that meaning that contract rates have been pushed up since May of 2020? They've been slowly been sure. pushing up because of the high level of spot rates. Because it takes time for contract rates to, to get to the levels of spot rates, right? Usually the contract rates aren't going to lead that. that that's, yeah, that's absolutely true. They, they normally do. But this is – so it's – I don't know if you if, if that's exactly what that spot rights did it, but yeah. it is the need of carriers or shippers to get their, their freight to market. It's that urgency and the demand there that is there, and they need that consistency of service to have that happen. And when you start having contract people drop out and then show up through Dooner's 3PL service at the same talk, yeah. <laughs> you need to do something about that, right? And so there's been upward pressure on the contract rates, which then makes the contract or the spot rates less attractive to the carriers. Plus, you've got a lot of uh, long-term contracts that are coming out there, too, so they're getting what they want. Wow. 
So well, thank you for that. Yeah, it's really good. So a lot of times on here we talk about the the reasons, the news stories, the people, all those sort of drivers and the factors sure. here. Um, this was the data. If you like these segments, we'll do more of them. Uh, also, if you liked what he just broke down in these charts, the dude, you've been doing about uh, three of these a week yeah, on right. LinkedIn. So follow yeah. Michael Vincent on LinkedIn, and he will break down markets and lanes. And he'll even tell you how to track this newer system that we have in Sonar works. That was that last thing we worked into, but he'll go even uh, deeper on that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great new addition is, is track. You got to get in, in touch with Sonar uh, Sonar people and go to FreightWaves.com and check that out because that is right there. there you're getting real-time contract. You're getting our scientific, yeah. which is scientifically where it's moving, and it's dead-on accurate as far as the direction of rates and where they're moving in the future. And then you've got the, your spot rates that are telling you today what the spot marks are, and it gives you the confidence level. So we'll tell you, this this is what the rate is, or this is what we think the rate is, and our confidence level's a three or four on this one here instead of a five, which would be 100%. What I was just showing here, there was a five. So rates are good. It seems like a good business to be in. Why isn't retention so great? Why is hiring such a challenge in this market? We have a, our guest coming up now is going to talk to us about that. It's Rachel Firestone. She's the COO at Maven Machines. She's also a University of Michigan grad, so we got to ask her, are you going to cross Georgia in the Orange Bowl on the 31st? I'm not going to be crossing Georgia, but I will be watching from home. <laughs> a really exciting weekend for me. Um, I was at the Michigan-Ohio State game in 1997 because I was part of the group of students who put roses on the seats of the student section. And then Michigan beat Ohio State, and it was our opportunity to go to the national championship. And better believe I was rushing the field in 1997, and I was very excited to, you know, relive that experience over the last couple of weeks with um, this team and go blue. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> it didn't work out as well for you in 1997, did it? You were on the other side or, of that. Or this year. <laughs> or this year. Well, actually, this year I feel differently. I'm a Buckeye, if you hadn't known, <laughs> known that. A big, big Buckeye fan. I've been rooting for Michigan for years because it's just no fun when unless they're they're both fighting it's for number one or something. there's yeah. no rivalry. Absolutely. So Absolutely. It's exciting. Um, I did a little bit of research and our marketing team made a Maven ornament All right. for your tree. Beautiful. So we will be sending you that as well as um, a Maven hat, but you have to send me a what the truck hat too. Okay. I will wear it. Oh, perfect. I'll send that to you. Rachel, now, tell us a little bit about this, because one of the reasons we brought you on is we wanted to do kind of a year-end wrap-up on the driver shortage and what that really means, because it's one of those words that people get caught up in the semantics. People get, there's not a driver, there is a driver shortage. People fight over it. Um, but there's a lot of factors that actually drive that. There's a lot of reasons behind it. Let's get into it. How does Maven assist with that, and what are some of the issues that you see from your seat? I mean, Maven is really geared towards optimizing the driver experience, and that's one way that we can help reduce the driver shortage is offering technology solutions that make the driver's lives easier. And that's the most important thing that we can do. What I'm seeing now, particularly as we go through deployments and looking at um, you know, the transition from 3G, our clients are very concerned about technology changes that could that could impact a driver's day-to-day, -day. we don't want to have anything um, that, that makes a driver's day more difficult. And, and that's the bottom line with retention, making 
products and services that are easy for drivers to use so they don't get frustrated and move to another company. Yeah, agreed, Rachel. You know, some of those things, they get uh, app fatigue is something we, we we hear of. And some of these things they think are, are actual invasion of privacy, privacy type of stuff. Some of these in-cab type of things like cameras and stuff. What is the technology specifically that you're looking at that helps make that easier for those drivers and will help with that retention? Absolutely. So Maven, our platform offers several different products that enables the driver to um, have their day just go along smoothly. Driver managers can message their drivers if they see, for instance, a, a weather issue. They can have constant communication with their drivers. Drivers can hear messages um, so they don't have to look at their phone, which is illegal to get messages. Um, we also have our ELD um, compliance product that um, enables drivers to properly track their hours of service. We have flexible workflow forms that makes it makes it easier for drivers to go through their day um, and and have a, a seamless process for which, by which they can execute their pickups and uh, deliveries. How do you get drivers to use the apps and use the tools that are being handed to them so that they, they don't get frustrated? I mean, we know in offices, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, with, with SaaS products, you, you can get all the SaaS you want, but if you can't get the workers trained on it and to use it, it doesn't really make sense as an investment, right? right. It's the same thing in the cab. Right. If the right. truck driver doesn't want to use the app for some of those things, privacy, whatever, yep. um, they're not going to. How do you make sure they do? Um, there are a couple of different options. I'm working really closely with our, our clients right now to leverage social media, um, working with um, our clients' marketing teams, on being on podcasts to encourage adoption of our app, um, actually having a training on the, um, on the tablet itself so that drivers can, many times, a driver's not going to go into you know, a, a terminal for very long. They're just going to get a Maven device installed, and ideally they would be trained um, beforehand, but that's not always a possibility. So we want to make technology available at the drivers um, just where they are, and that is virtually. So we have our um, training on, um, on the tablets. We have messaging that comes across where they are located. And, and COVID has... You know, as much as it's been a disruptor, it's helped um, really focus on virtual methods of communication and less reliant on, um, you know, classroom and um, in-person training. Rich, let me ask you something. Can you speak about training here? And one of the things that I hear from uh, from drivers is the business is very transactional. They don't feel like there's much of a career path, so there's no reason to stick with a logo. There's it doesn't matter what trailer you pull, so you you go yeah. where the money's good, no matter yeah. what. Can tech help create better career paths that lead to better earnings for drivers? Because pay is obviously a big issue when it comes to pulling a truck, and it's a big issue when it comes to making decisions about who you're going to drive for. Absolutely. You know, I think that we can leverage all the data in um, within our app and looking just looking at the way that trucking companies can form a career path and utilize different applications that show, you know, what what that path actually is. Um, I don't know that there has been an emphasis and, and you, I mean, I am not employed by a trucking company, but I know that there are many opportunities to give drivers um, just information on what that career path possibly is. I, Brian, um, Brian Runnels last, last Friday was talking about 
you know, driver um, sign-on bonuses, but really it's the focus on retention of drivers and making sure that drivers are aware of those opportunities and leveraging technology to be able to do that. Yeah, I like the emphasis, uh, Rachel, on on on, on really uh, on, on teaching the drivers and getting communicating to drivers on what this technology can do and what are the evils of it and the positives of it, et cetera. But it, it doesn't it extend to to before that? Don't you need to go before that and 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 really understand what your particular driver set needs, wants are based on your business? Because everybody's footprint and and fingerprints are a little bit different, right? Can you speak to that a little bit? Not just grabbing technology for the sake of technology but grabbing the right technology. Yes. Um, actually, you know, our team of designers and, and product managers and engineers are really looking at ways that we can improve the driver's experience and have them use the technology in a way that's easier for them. Um, we're, we're looking at different ways to expand our technology platform to make it even better for drivers to to use that. Um, you know, one of the ways that we can reach drivers um, more is to continue to put messages out there that there are opportunities for growth within the company that they're in and exploring ways to be able to do that. Wow. Really appreciate it. Um, we're looking forward to you sending us that ornament. I think you have our address, but if you don't, I'll, I'll email it to you when we're when we're offline. But in the meantime, if people want to connect with Maven Machines or yourself, where do we send them to? Um, you can send them to um, mavenmachines.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, find Maven Machines on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter. Um, we're really excited to, you know, just be on the show. Thank you for having us. And uh, I know Friday is your favorite show of the week, but I hope I brought some spice and energy to your Monday. Thank you, Rachel. And good <laughs> luck you. to the Wolverines on the 31st. We'll be rooting for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Take Thank it easy. You. All right. You know something, dude? A lot of carriers love power-only loads. It what? saves them time. They just hook up, load, and go. No messing around at the shipper's facility. And you know who's got lots of loads of power-only freight? No, who? Who is it? Convoy! Tell Their power-only loads are available to on con all Convoy carriers. Check them out at convoy.com slash WTT, and you can book yourself a power-only load today. Perfect, man. I with, love it. With over 400 locations nationwide, Love's Truck Care and Speedco Network are committed to providing a tire program to meet your needs. That's right. Yeah. The Love's Retread Warranty Program right. combines quality and safety and is designed with your fleet's efficiency in mind. They cover and retread the casing for the full life of the retread. Awesome stuff. Learn more at loves.com. Go there immediately after this show. All right. Time for Charles Gracie Squared. We have a father, son, um, and a dad, I think, Cute. over here. We have a president. I'm, they're all with, I think they're all, I'm not sure if they're all with Hot Seat Services. We'll find out. Let's it's bring them up. Hi, guys. It's a cube of Chucks. How are we doing today? Wow, we have three Charles here. Let's start to the left. Uh, first, Charles, uh, the the elder Charles. Let's start with you. <laughs> Introduce <Okay>. yourself. <laughs> Charles Senior. Nice. <laughs> How about yourself, Charles? He's the 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 leader of the clan, right? Yeah, he, he would I would be the, the, yes, he is the patriarch. He started it all. That's right. Well, like his daddy started it's all it his fault. <laughs> well, Middle Charles, tell us about yourself, man. You're president of Hot Seat Services. I think you've been on before. You talk about hiring being your jam and all those kind of things. How did you, uh, you hook up with these two gentlemen, and how did you uh, get to, to work with them? Well, you know what it was, was I learned a lot from 
when I was a kid and my dad used to bring me to work all the time. So I used to go to work with him and he taught me everything from working in the shop on the trucks to working with the drivers in the office to uh, just basically like every child didn't think I listened to any of it. And then uh, came along hot seat and realized I took a lot of what he taught me and kind of made it my own. And I'm hoping my son does the same thing. You know, that's why we try to bring that fun approach to the recruiting and driver marketing. We want it to be fun for the drivers as well as for the carriers. What do you think, little Chuck? Does this look like the life for you? Are you eyeing, uh, you know, a, a different type of career, maybe pro gamer? I'm not really sure what you're into, but uh, <laughs> you, you think freight will be cool, or, or or what's the story? Um, yeah, I think trucking would be cool. To, I want to help the industry by getting, you know, good drivers for good jobs and getting more drivers into trucking. Wow. There you go. Very so he's cool. Chief marketing officer right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, Charles, we put out a stat at the beginning of the show. Middle Chuck, we put out a, a stat talking about how everyone's making a huge deal during the Great Resignation because uh, 40% turnover in general offices. But we live in trucking where drivers 90% turnover every year per yeah, animal. That's, right. that's our crisis every single year. What are you seeing this year and has the search for drivers been a challenge? The search for drivers has been a challenge, but I think what we're seeing more focused on, and uh, I think it's important, is the culture of the companies. A lot of the companies are coming in touch with the reality that it's, yes, the money matters, yes, the balance matters, but the culture of the company these drivers are going to work for, they're looking for something that means a little bit more, where there's an upward trajectory, where they're recognized as more of a name than a number, where if something happens at home, people are going to be in their corner trying to look after them. And that's kind of that holistic approach that should have been here and been kind of a lost art over the years. It is. So uh, answer, answer me this. How, how, do, how do they build that? What are the keys to doing that? You've got this culture. It's hard to build a culture and maintain people when they're all in the same office. Now you've got these people on these little moving islands all over the place, right? And they're all individuals. They all got different needs and wants. How do you build that cohesive culture to, to make that happen? Well, I think it comes down to incorporating your team. Uh, you want to make sure everyone voice is heard and a lot of the times that's harder for carriers because they have all these little moving islands as you said so it's important to have that personal touch like uh, I have a couple clients where they're reaching out the owners are reaching out to the drivers on a regular basis just to get their feedback or they have these town hall meetings where the drivers get together and they have guests in there and then they voice their opinions in a town hall setting so I I think it's uh, creativity in this new market is going to win we're dealing with a younger generation of driver after COVID uh, with new drivers about to start entering when schools reopen so marketing for that holistic approach and that culture is really going to win in today's driver market and the companies realize this you know, fortunately, OIDA, OIDA, so the infrastructure bill came out, right? The bipartisan yeah. infrastructure bill. There was no money for, for parking. OIDA has been petitioning them to add a billion dollars for it. Some stats on parking is that the average driver spends 56 minutes every time he's out pulling a load looking for a spot to park in, and many don't even find safe locations to do it. It's crazy, right? So we talk about culture, but there's just systemic issues that, that go throughout the industry as well and permeate. And 98% of drivers face this particular issue. How do we do something about that? Because this is clearly, you look at every single survey when the ATA or, or ATRI put them out and, you know, the carriers always say the biggest issue for them is, is drivers, right? The drivers yeah. and drivers always say it's either pay or parking. Those are always number one and two. How do we do something about parking? I think raising attention to it, you know, raising awareness to the issue. And it's not just from the recruiting standpoint or the carrier standpoint and the driver standpoint. I think as a collective and as an industry, we really have to hone in on this because 
it is a systemic problem and it is a huge headache for the drivers. And at the end of the day, that's who we're here to service, to help us service the general motor and public and everyone else. So we all have to kind of come together and as a whole, make this aware to not only the nation and our billing and our infrastructure, but also to private sector. Uh, we're starting to see a lot of private sector companies get into the parking or parking side just to allow a remedy for this. So there is a lot of empty vacant lots out there. And uh, we're starting to see people buy those up and offer them for truck parking. I think if the companies got together and started to network a little bit more on this issue, we could solve it a lot quicker than what we give ourselves credit for. You know, this is a business of families, and that's why we've yeah. been doing these bloodline segments. And sure. I see three Gracies here. So let's talk about the culture of Gracie. Yes. You know, we heard from we heard from your son. He said he's interested in getting in, in the industry. We heard from dad. He's interested. He, he's been in the industry. And we heard from grandpa. He's the one who led them in the industry. Why do you guys think that this is, has such a hold on you? And how have you gotten the whole clan involved? Well, something I started out with, and I, I worked, and I, I still love all aspects of trucking. I go back to driving and I still think that's the greatest part of it. And I've done everything from driving all the way up to a terminal manager and went back to driving. And it's just something that's become a part of my life. I mean, and it's evidently transferred over to them. And I said I was never as a kid was going to get into trucking because I saw all the hours he put into it. And then after the military, it was just natural. It's what I knew. It's what uh, I grew up around. And then I developed my own version of what I was going to do with it. Instead of the operational side, I got into the recruiting and HR side. And uh, I took my own spin on it. And all those years of going to work with him, I took what I learned from him and applied it to here. And then took my background with the human resources and recruiting side and that's where we got hot seat. And I wanted to make it fun for the next generation, which is where he came in. All the marketing, the hiring drivers is our jam, the stuff we do at fundraiser we just did uh, to raise money for St. Jude's to martial arts competition from his school. Uh, th these are all things that we're trying to do to try to get the younger generation into trucking just the same way that it was done for me. You know, not everyone can bring their kid to work in trucking, but at least if we can get it out there and get these kids excited about it, we have some hope of bringing in some new top talent. That's really cool. Wait, how did the um, how did this fundraiser like you said there was a like karate kid that you all the all valley karate tournament and you're uh, raising money for St. Jude's. How did that work? <laughs> it, it worked out really well. You know, we uh we did a thing for St. Jude's called Kick for the Cure. We do it every year. This year, Hot Seat was the sponsor for it with the Secretary of State of Illinois. Uh, we raised a bunch of money, uh, raised over $30,000 in total for the event and uh, planning on doing that and then some next year. And then uh, right afterwards, he was lucky enough, he wound up getting his black belt testing the very next weekend. So, wow. Did you get the black belt? Yes, I did, but... It was a lot of exercise, though. <laughs> a lot of exercise. I'm gonna give you some cowbell. Do you think you could? Do you think you could karate chop your way through this cowbell? Uh, no. Do, do, yeah, the one finger touch. Yeah, <laughs> one finger that, that but one finger. No, that's off. really that's really cool. So wait, you're not gonna leave the trucking business and become like uh, the next UFC star, right? You're you're kind of committed to this thing. What do you like about? What do you like about trucks? I mean, you said you want to you want to help the next drivers and everything, but there's got to be like. I've been a kid. There's uh, maybe st I still am. There's got to be something cool about it. Do you like trucks? Yes, I do like trucks. Ever since I was like five, uh, me and my cousin we used to live down here, and my grandpa he would let us go on the truck, and we would he would drive around a little bit, and yeah, we would have a little bit of fun because we never been in such a 
tall truck before, so we thought the car was cool because then you could also sleep in it and have food in it. <laughs> it is, yeah, you like it to the horn? <laughs> the horn a little bit there. Yeah, but absolutely. See, you know, Charles, what's funny here is this is sort of a living example. You talk about how do you get people to become truck drivers? How do you retain? How do you recruit? One of the easiest ways to do it is to get them when they're young, right? To get kids interested in this field, in this profession, and to have some proof of concept to see parents who are successful, to see peers and, and icons of their own be successful within that industry. I say this all the time, but trucking has not had a hero or had an icon since like Lincoln Hawk in the 80s and the 70s when trucking was really this sort of cool thing. Ever since they've been portrayed as like serial killers. It's true. Lincoln Hawk. Well, I mean, along those lines, though, seriously, Charles Sr. and uh, 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 I guess it's Charles Jr. Yeah, not, Charles 1, Charles 2, and Charles Charles, Charles 1 and 2. Uh, you've got three sitting there. What attracts those and how important it is to get that next generation in? They're all growing up with computers and tech, etc. Now, when Charles 1 was in there, yeah, you know, tech was uh, you know a clean mirror. Right? Are you? Yeah, are you seeing that in your hiring when you're speaking to drivers? Or are you seeing the ages skew upwards or downwards? I think it's going downwards. Some I see too many people coming in here that they don't realize what they're getting into. They, mm. they have no idea that it's not just sit there and do nothing and drive around in circles and have fun all day. They don't realize there's work to it. Yeah, but Charles, too, don't you think that's part of the attraction as well as that it's getting out there that it's not just driving a truck around? There's a lot of tech involved. There's a lot of data science, computer science. It's really kind of a lot sexier business than it used to be portrayed as? Absolutely. You know, uh, when I was learning, when I was a kid, a good example was I was in Boy Scouts. They had a trucking merit badge. Well, he was one of our scout counselors, so he handled that merit badge. As simple as it was at that time, it was get into the truck, here's how it operates, now you got the ELDs, you got all the tracking software, you got all the apps on your phone. It, it's evolved, and the drivers in today's market know it's evolved. So that's where, you know, trying to get the next generation into it about how fun this can be and uh, how many layers to it. And where he was in operations and driving, I was in driving and got into HR marketing and recruiting. You know, he might take his own spin on it, and that's what I've told mm -hmm. him. Hey, you don't have to my way i didn't do it his way i didn't do anything he taught me i kind of made my own way of doing it and then adapted i don't expect him to do any differently so i mean that's where that holistic approach is showing them from top to bottom what trucking is and logistics and educating these kids at an early age and educating the students in the schools as well it's different and you can kind of make it your own as long as you put in the hard work put in that sweat equity I just had a horrifying thought is so the, the trucking runs in the family, but does the karate as well are all are Chuck one and Chuck two. Are you guys also black belts as well? No, I'm not a black belt. Uh, I actually got injured. So I had to sit out the last two months. We were doing it together. So now I bow to him when we go into the dojo. Uh, then that dad life kicks in, man. I've been playing with the kids on the floor doing some wrestling. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, you tear the rotor cuff. It's not a good, it's not a good, <laughs> no. it's not a good thing. You got to be telling kids on us. Let me tell you something. So you said something interesting there, or Chuck one did. And he said, you know, a lot of drivers, they come in and then they don't understand what they're stepping into. They don't right. understand the door they're walking through. So my question is to you, Chuck too, what is your philosophy on that? So you make money if you place drivers, but you have a conflict of interest in that you have to deter some drivers in some ways and, and by letting them know that it's not all sunshine and rainbows. So where does your responsibility come in in mm. educating the driver on what role they're taking? So, so that's where we take that different approach, being that we're a built by drivers, for drivers type of company. 
uh, we took the approach of what it felt like when we yeah. drove. So he's heard me have some realistic uh, conversations with drivers after my recruiters are struggling with them because their expectations outline and outweigh what reality of their situation may be. So sometimes it just comes down to breaking it down of, hey, this is what you think your situation is. This is what it actually is. We can get you there, but you're going to have to do A, B, and C to get there. You can't just come out of school and expect your local job, top pay, union benefits, weekends off. Like, There's still going to be some sweat equity because trucking is still one of those industries where you got to pay to play it one way or another. Whether you're the carrier or the driver, you're going to have to work through the proper channels and earn your way up that platform. And you can do it if you map it out successfully and map it out with reason. But at the same time, if you think that you're going to jump the line, it's just not that industry. So it's just common education along the way. All right. Well, hey, before, I love what I'm hearing here today, and, I, and we're going to send guys over your direction. But before I let you go, Chuck Three, the youngest Chuck over here, what's your five-year plan? Are, do you, are you going to be running the company? Are you going to give Dad a judo, judo chop and take over? What's, uh, what's next on your uh, agenda? Are you going off to college? You, he looks pretty young, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Eleven. Eleven. All right. You're not even college. You're going off to high school. <laughs> yeah. So well, what's your five-year plan? What do you want to do yeah. in five years? So in five years, as I am in Taekwondo, there is more not in just one black belt. It goes all the way up to nine black belts. Oh. And when you hit a fourth Ooh. black belt, you have to try to break this marble. So I'm trying to at least get over fourth-degree black belt. So then... I'll probably be in high school by the time because that takes every year. So basically in four years, I should at least be fourth degree black belt. And then I will try to plan to see what I can do in the trucking company. I love it. He's going to be a human weapon in five years. Bullies beware. Don't That's put right. him in a locker. He'll put you in a dumpster. I, uh, <laughs> I predict he'll be the first ever 10th degree. I think so. They'll so, figure out a 10th degree. Well, I love it. Hey, we got to get to our next guest. But where do people reach out to you in the meantime? So in the meantime, they can email us directly at info at hotseatservices.com or they can go to our website, www.hotseatservices.com. And there you can see all of our services and everything that we can do to help out fill your trucks and placing good drivers and good jobs. Hey, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. If you guys have an ornament, obviously send it to our tree. I'll give you the address, the freight community tree. It's going to be on that What the Truck Christmas special on the 17th. Once again, thank you guys. And congratulations on that belt. I can't, you know, hope five years. He's, I think he'll be fifth degree. Oh, yeah. He sounds like he's got a plan. He's got a – yeah, I, I agree. I All right, so our next guest – so I, I didn't even realize this. I was doing a little research on him, and he put up a post recently that – this could have been a Bloodline segment, too. Fra Frazier oh, Kinsley, really? who's, he's the co-founder and managing partner at Kinsley Partners. The other co-founder is also his brother. So for, you could have brought your brother. We could have two Bloodline segments in a row. I just – I found that out just a little bit too late. Frazier, thanks for joining us. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, he'd, uh, <laughs> he'd love to be on. He's a bit more of an introvert than I am, though, so – yeah, is he a is he a black belt? Is he a fifth degree black belt as well? You know, it's funny. I was listening to that. My my sister's actually a black belt in karate. So this might this might have just been fate that uh, I'm on just after uh, uh, the Chucks were. So uh, that's awesome, little Chuck. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> the Chucks. Well, what you do is you help C CPG brands grow through capital investments and all that kind of stuff. Just give us a quick elevator pitch on, on what Kinsley Partners is. Totally. Yeah, definitely. So uh, Kinsley Partners at its core, um, we are a, a private investment company, um, mainly just our own funds, uh, my brother and I, and we also operate a syndicate of sorts. But um, yeah, it's, it's effectively just that uh, through capital investments, but also increased operational efficiencies. So uh, myself being an operator, uh, my brother coming from the finance side, uh, we, you know, we can take a look at, 
at uh, you know up and coming brands and really assess you know what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, um, and really parlay that with capital um, injections um, to, to to really give them that lift um, to to go from zero to one or from one to two or you know really what have you uh, in those earlier stages. Yeah, so you guys specialize in the SMB or the smaller groups there in the consumer goods space. What does that look like uh, this year from your your perspective? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I think from the ground up, from the capital side, um, just given where we're at now from uh, you know, a monetary policy perspective, there's just so much cash out there right now. Um, and just the returns in the private market are huge. So um, the investment rounds for up-and-coming CPG brands have just been huge, um, you know, both in, in dollar amount and in frequency. So um, there's, there's a ton of capital going into this. Um, I think fortunately, um, you know, the silver lining to the whole kind of supply chain that we're dealing with right now is that there's so much attention on operational efficiencies. So, you know, big pushes uh, are moving away from more marketing and kind of general sales behind CBG and really moving into like, how does your supply chain look? You know, you know where are your co-packers located? How do you, you know, look through distribution and all that stuff? So um, that's kind of the landscape we're dealing with right now. And again, I think that the, if there is a silver lining to the supply chain woes that we're experiencing uh, it is that there's more of an emphasis on the operational capabilities of these up-and-coming companies. Well, speak about that. Have your partners been impacted by the ports? Are they going out to raise capital just to pay for their FOB uh, freight from Shanghai? What's, uh, what's What have you been seeing? <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, and, I, and you know, speaking of posts, I kind of spoke about it a couple of weeks ago um, in regard to like air shipments. So again, as, as a smaller business, you know, inventory is crucial. Um, you know, not just from the perspective of hey, we want to have stuff available, but if you think about it, lost sales are actually negative, right? Because we want to keep building. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that really all of our partners and all of our portfolio companies have been impacted to a degree, um, either through the domestic, you know, freight market or from overseas. Um, we have a apparel company in our portfolio. Um, you know, I think uh, fashion's taking a huge hit. A lot of um, you know overseas manufacturing in oh, Southeast yeah. Asia. So, um, yeah, no, it's it's definitely a real issue. Um, it's definitely a real thing. Um, it's definitely impacting margins for sure. Um, so, you know, margin discipline is a huge, um, you know, sticking point right now. So what's the strategy? How do you, how do you deal with uh, situations like this? Yeah. So, uh, again, I think it really goes back to mar- margin discipline, right? You know, establishing what you want, um, you know, th- as a gross margin, uh, but also through your channels, you know, retail margin, uh, direct to consumer margin, wholesale margin. Um, and it's really taking a look at, um, you know, from, from the point in time where you're at right now saying, hey, you know, how much can we dig into this margin? Um, you know, we're in a spot where we're still making money, um, but where it's, you know, in our warehouse at some time. So um, it's, it's a bit of an art and a science at the same time to determine, you know, what's the best fit. Because, uh, again, there's so many different variables involved. Uh, and then down the line, it's, it's, it's really uh, inventory planning. Um, and I actually just kind of I put a tweet out about it before. I think especially for um, apparel brands, fashion brands, uh, it's a huge thing because you have these, this cyclical kind of creative cycle, you know, fall, winter, spring, summer. Um, so it, it's actually bleeding into, I think the marketing and creative side as well to say, Hey, do we have to delay these, um, you know, product launches because we have this delayed stock that's coming in we want to clear through it. We don't want to necessarily launch new products yet because once again, we're going to have to deal with those inventory delays. So, mm. um, it, it's really trickling into other parts of the business as a whole. What kind of advice would you give to these, these companies? Cause everyone's looking for solutions and it's really easy to point fingers, but it's really hard to solve because there's so many different intermediaries. Yeah. But I think one of the problems when there's an issue like this and it, it gives you a scapegoat, Oh, su- supply chain issues and companies can sometimes get lazy too. Oh, yeah. If they don't get reactive and you see the best companies do, and they use all the leverage in the world, the Amazons and the Walmarts, but what can a regular cut that's not Amazon and Walmart, that's just an SMB do in a situation like this, or what should they be doing other than just that margin discipline? Can they help this as existential problem at all? 
Yeah, totally. Um, you know, I, I think about it kind of like a football team, right? So, you know, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, you know, great quarterbacks, you know, if they throw an interception, two interceptions, what's the first thing they do? Um, you know, they go back to fundamentals and they assess, you know, what am I doing wrong that I wasn't doing, you know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, you know, yesterday. Um, so on the supply chain side, it's now, now's a great time as a company to, um, you know, smaller companies might not be engaged in RFPs, but Speak with your vendors, um, look at your lanes, um, you know, looking where your manufacturing, looking where your distribution centers are, looking where your fulfillment centers are. So um, I think it's it's a holistic strategy. I also think it's lean on your vendors. Um, a lot of times, you know, we have founders and um, either through, you know, time constraints or, um, you know, their own research, they have their own biases, you know, they're not leaning on their vendors. And, you know, we have some great people in this industry that are really great experts that have great insights. I mean, a lot of, a lot of providers now, especially 3PLs, have data available. Um, so I say if you're, if you're a small, medium-sized business, you know, lean on those partners that you have because it's to their benefit to make sure that your business is running smoothly. So really engage them, especially in those specific sectors where they can speak, um, you know, affirmatively on, 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 you know, what advice they're actually giving. Yeah, and I would, I would also suggest the, the analogy that you gave, it's in-game, right? It's constant. Those quarterbacks come off the field. Yeah. They're immediately looking at pictures and what happened on that last one. So it's constant review all the time while it's going on. Looking into okay. your crystal ball and what's going on where we're at right now, um, what, what do you see uh, coming up in the future here, the short term? Yeah, so I, I think it's a really interesting um, point in time right now. You know, we're, we're post-Black Friday cyber. Monday or Cyber Week, I should say. You know, now we're moving into you know the thick of the holiday season, um, and I think this is kind of really going to be what separates um, you know the pack as far as uh, success goes, right? So you have all of these brands that were um, you know come hell or high water going to get product in um, either be at their warehouse or their retail DCs for Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And truth be told, if you over ordered at this point in time, you know what are you going to do? And again, it goes back to kind of this creative side. What are you going to do? When you're looking to launch new collections, or you move in post holiday, um, you know warehouse space, uh, especially in Southern California, is at a, at a massive premium right now, uh, which is going to reflect in storage costs. So, um, if you're not a mover and you're a store, you know that that could be a huge issue. So, I think it's going to be really interesting in the coming weeks and coming months to see how brands really synthesize yeah. this idea of inventory allocation. Because again, there's there's capital behind it, but there's also um, just overall kind of strategy yeah. behind it too. And I think that yeah. if I were looking at my crystal ball, I, I think that outlet stores, uh, you know, TJ Maxx, Marshalls, I, I really yeah. think that they're going to be in the hot seat coming up because I think there's going to be a lot of brands just dumping inventory um, because they kind of overordered at this point. I Fraser, I, yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I think that's the next theme is the, the other crack of the bull. If we yeah. started this with the first crack with the toilet paper and then yep. the other end of that whip is, is going to come around next year. Frazier, thanks for joining us on the show today. We'll have you back on in the new year to get deeper into this topic. Take care. Yeah. Merry Christmas to you. Peace. Uh, everybody here, uh, have a great time, right? What the truck is hey, back man, on bro. Wednesday. Newsletter out on Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. Find me on Twitter, at Timothy Dooner. Send those ornaments this way. DM me um, if you need our address. Uh, tell them how to be. Hey, peace and love. Spread it everywhere. <laughs>